Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Domo Q1 Fiscal Year 2022 Earnings Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded, and if you need any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Mr. Peter Lowry, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Good afternoon and welcome. On the call today, we have Josh James, our founder and CEO, Bruce Felt, our CFO, and Julie Kehoe, our Chief Communications Officer. Julie will lead off with our safe harbor statement and then on to the call. Julie? Thanks, Pete. Our press release was issued after the market closed and is posted on the Investor Relations section of our website where this call is also being webcast. Statements made on this call include forward-looking statements related to our business under federal securities laws, including statements about financial projections, the plans and expectations for our go-to-market strategy, our expectations for our sales and new business initiatives, the impact of COVID-19 on our business, and our financial condition. These statements are subject to a variety of risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. For a discussion of these risks and uncertainties, please refer to the documents we filed at the SEC, in particular today's press release, our most recently filed annual report on Form 10-K, and our most recently filed quarterly report on Form 10-Q. These documents contain and identify important risk factors and other information that may cause our actual results to differ materially from those contained in our forward-looking statements. In addition, during today's call, we will discuss non-GAAP financial measures, which we believe are useful as supplemental measures of DOMA's performance. Other than revenue, unless otherwise stated, we will be discussing our results of operations on a non-GAAP basis. These non-GAAP measures should be considered in addition to and not as a substitute for or in isolation from GAAP results. Please refer to the tables in our earnings press release for a reconciliation of our non-GAAP financial measures to their most directly comparable GAAP measure. With that, let me hand it over to Josh. Josh? Thank you, Julie. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the call. I hope everyone is certainly in good health. And when I'm done today, it's going to be extremely difficult for the Bruce to not effuse bullishness. You'll see us raise guidance today, and we see potential upside in our future. In Q1, we got off to a great start to our fiscal year 2022. We had a record Q1 across many important metrics, including new business and retention. We posted 25% billings growth, 23% subscription revenue growth, and 24% total revenue growth with a 90% plus retention rate across both the enterprise and corporate segments of our business and in every geography. Now, with a full recognition that it's been a humbling process and a ton of hard work from our people to create this great company and even get to this spot, I read all the reports, and despite the performance that we've been putting up, see, see how some people have characterized our growth profile. Now, for those of you who know me, you know that I'm not generally known as an infinitely patient, unendingly understanding, not demanding kind of guy. So you'll appreciate that it's very hard to be patient long enough to wait for all the characterizations to catch up with the reality. Now, obviously, I'm saying that a bit in jest, but with what we have consistently been producing, I think it's important to do some math that calls out how strong and consistent our performance has actually been. 
over the last four quarters, we've seen 23%, 25%, 28%, and now 25% growth in billings. I know everyone on the phone call is exceptionally good at math. And that sounds to me like billings have consistently grown each quarter by an average of 25%. So in fact, for more than a year, we've been operating at that next phase. We've been growing billings at 25%. And like I've said many times, you know we're playing for more. I can't wait to see what the team does in future quarters to accelerate growth using our integrated platform to deliver BI leverage at cloud scale in record time. Now, there's certainly a tremendous amount of work in front of us, but it's been worth it because we have all felt like there's so much unrecognized and unrealized potential for what we've built here. Despite the fact that it has not been easy, we've been grinding it out. And here we are with an average of 25% billings growth over the last four quarters. But the big question to me has always been, when is the friction going to come out of the system a little bit? When is the flywheel going to really start cranking? Where is that tipping point that I know we are bound to run into with the combined progress and potential that we have? I mean, I've seen tipping points. I've seen it at my companies. I've seen it at other companies. You can tell when they happen because all of a sudden you have a new profile in the market, a new swagger, a new unstoppable ability to consistently grow and win. These tipping points can be a byproduct of product launches, partnerships, stamps of approval investments, or big customer wins that shock the market and announce the arrival of the company as a long-term leader and force to be reckoned with. We've been striving for a tipping point like that at Domo. I believe that a tipping point for Domo could come in the form of a big, instantly recognizable brand that has adopted Domo broadly and that's deriving a fantastic return off their investment in our products. And also where that investment changes the way they run their business as it spans globally across their operations. I've wanted that customer so badly. I've wanted that statement transaction. And we've had several candidate customers that I think could certainly evolve into that. Now, I've seen glimpses of that potential tipping point coming. For instance, here are a few nuggets that have been grabbing my attention recently. As we stated last quarter, after 10 years of toil and labor to sign 10 customers with at least a million dollars in ARR, seemingly out of nowhere, in just one additional year of time, that number doubled to 20 customers with a million dollars in ARR. Okay, interesting. That must mean something. Then, looking at our customer data, not only do we have 20 customers with at least a million dollars in ARR, we have several contracts with enormous multinational industry titans worth more than $2 million a year and a few over $4 million a year. And that's getting to be respectable. In fact, we're having discussions with customers about $10 million annual contracts. It might not happen this year or even next, but these conversations are real and on the table. So now... This is starting to feel like the company we've been trying to create all along. We have customers who adopt us broadly in their organization and have over a dozen upsells on their way to site-wide usage. However, I've been waiting for companies to have the confidence to go site-wide much earlier in their relationship with us. 
Now, in order for that to happen, we need to see other companies who are already successful at scale with us. And then the ones who follow have the confidence to adopt and grow much more quickly. I've been waiting for this moment, this potential seminal moment, when customers have the confidence to go whole hog in their adoption to broadly standardize on Domo. Well, I'm over the moon excited to be able to say that has finally happened. It's a big day for us. It's a huge moment. It's a potential tipping point like announcement. This quarter, we had the largest upsell in the history of our company. What makes this deal so special is that it's a top 15 global brand with broad C-suite support, tens of thousands of potential users, dozens of internal use cases, and is championed by the CIO to become their global standard. They're becoming one of our largest customers, and it's certainly on us to deliver, but we found the right people to partner with internally. We did the work to prove the use cases over long periods of time, and we are rapidly installing across their organization. We believe this record upsell is a harbinger of things to come. This data point is major validation of our technology and the business value we can deliver at scale. And equally important, a proof point for every other current customer and potential customer in the marketplace to be able to confidently standardize aggressively and rapidly across their organization with expectations of success unseen thus far in their experiences with other technologies. These large and successful deployments should give customers more confidence in standardizing on Domo as their modern BI platform and that will be able to successfully evolve with their needs. We have much more work to do with our customers, yet it is humbling and gratifying the trust they put in our teams and our technology. And by the way, do you know what they are saying about us, our customers? They literally are saying that we make the best companies better. It sounds like a fine tagline to me, and yes, even representative of what we actually do. So in addition to this major announcement that I just made about our record-setting upsell, we continue to see new logo growth as well. For example, we won a sizable new contract with another Fortune 500 company, uh, this time a consumer product company, to, avoid, um, to provide company-wide analytics. This was a deal driven by IT, and the BI group was the primary buyer. Of all the solutions they were considering, Domo was the best able to provide the solution they needed across their entire organization. They chose us in part because of our position as an independent vendor and because of the breadth of our connectors. We have the ability to bring all the customers' data together to solve complex and organization-wide business challenges. In fact, a recently commissioned total economic impact report conducted by Forrester Consulting showed a 345% return on investment for a sampling of Domo customers. In addition, these customers saw payback from their investment in less than six months. I also want to acknowledge some of our recent product and company recognitions this quarter. We announced an expansion to our AWS relationship, including our achievement of the AWS machine learning competency status in applied AI, demonstrating our proven ability to create value on top of AWS services. We announced 
a new native integration for Amazon Redshift. Similar to our earlier Snowflake news, to help customers better leverage their cloud data investments. And we also announced access to thousands of data products with AWS Data Exchange in Domo to help customers more easily transform business with modern BI for all. In Dresner Advisory Services 2021 Cloud Computing and Business Intelligence Market Study, Domo was ranked as the number one vendor for the fifth consecutive year. That's insane. And our COVID-19 tracker that we launched last year won two Webby Awards and a Fast Company world-changing idea recognition. I'm also proud that we were acknowledged with our partner choice humanitarian by Fast Company for our efforts to leverage data to help address extreme poverty in Nepal. And on another important front, we remain committed to leading out on diversity, equity, and inclusion. For the fourth consecutive year, Domo was named to the Women Tech Council's 2021 Shatter List for our commitment to developing and successfully implementing measures that help break the glass ceiling for women in technology and fostering gender-inclusive cultures. And we continue to hold up our commitments to the Parity Pledge to create a more diverse slate of candidates, interviewing at least one qualified woman and one qualified underrepresented minority candidate for every open position at Domo. As a result, in Q1, 36% of all new hires were women or underrepresented minorities. Thank you to all our Domo sapiens. They've worked so hard, so diligently and tirelessly. We have not yet reached our destination, but we are on the path. I'm so proud of what they have done and so grateful to be lucky enough to work with such a passionate and capable team. In closing, I do feel this is a seminal moment for Domo, a potential tipping point to push us to that next level of growth. We will continue to focus on our customers and our people here at Domo and hope you will see accelerating growth out of us soon. And with that, I think I've now made it sufficiently difficult for Bruce to be the Bruce. The floor is yours, my friend. Thank you, Josh. And yes, you did make it a little difficult for Bruce to be Bruce, but I think I'll be a little Bruce anyway. We had another strong Q1 driven by a number of record key metrics, as Josh has highlighted. I'll review the details behind our performance, provide an update on some of our recent financial analyst session commentary, and then discuss second quarter and fiscal 2022 full-year guidance. We delivered Q1 billings of $58.2 million, a strong year-over-year increase of 25%, driven once again by new customer count growth, upsells and expansions, record Q1 retention rates, strength across all geographies, and improving Salesforce productivity. I am particularly pleased with our billings growth against a tough compare due to the $6 million of total billings reported for state deals in Q1 of last year. Net retention remained above 100% and ticked up a bit from Q4. What is promising on net retention is the amount of growth we just experienced in new ACV from existing customers, providing the visibility to expect 
higher net retention rates as the revenue is recognized. We now have 61% of our customers on a dollar-weighted basis under multi-year contracts at the end of Q1, up from 54% a year ago. Our remaining performance obligations, or RPO, grew 24% compared to the same quarter last year. Current RPO, or RPO expected to be recognized as revenue over the next 12 months, grew 22% year over year. Q1 total revenue was $60.1 million, a year-over-year increase of 24%. Subscription revenue grew 23% year-over-year and represented 87% of total revenue. International revenue in the quarter represented 23% of total revenue. Our subscription growth margin was a record 83%, up more than four percentage points from 79% in Q1 of last year and up over one percentage point from last quarter. We continue to be successful managing our data center costs, even as volumes increase. In fact, over the last 12 months, we've seen daily volumes increase substantially while our data center costs have decreased year over year as we continue to focus on driving leverage from our infrastructure. In Q1, operating expenses increased only 1% from last year, even though revenue increased by 24%, demonstrating our ability to drive significant leverage out of our total cost structure. The net effect of increased revenue while leveraging cost was an improvement in our operating margin of 24 percentage points from the same quarter last year. Our net loss was $8 million, down from $18.4 million a year ago, and our net loss per share was $0.26. Cents. This is based on $31 million weighted average shares outstanding, basic and diluted. In Q1, we reported adjusted cash flow from operations of $1.4 million. Our cash balance was approximately $85 million. Cash decreased by $6 million as a result of tax-driven share repurchases related to our restricted stock unit program. Going forward, we may use a portion of cash generated for similar anti-diluted measures while maintaining sufficient cash balances. Now let me give a brief update on some of the financial analyst session commentary we provided as part of our user conference where we outlined our path to 20% plus sustained growth. At the end of the session, we outlined a variety of growth drivers and longer-term targets to achieve our growth objectives. In Q1, we made great initial progress across these metrics. One of the more important drivers is increasing sales headcount. We are on track with hiring enough sales capacity to support our 20% growth target, and in fact, have hired over 20% more new reps compared to a year ago as of this call, and now have a record number of reps on board. Our sales execution momentum continues, even against the backdrop of this rapid hiring pace, as our Salesforce productivity was up year over year in Q1. 
Our enhanced marketing messaging continues to resonate with our targeted customer base, and we have stronger sales and marketing alignment to capitalize on that messaging. We continue to see the market moving in our direction, and we've experienced an enhanced market positioning from the industry analyst community. As a result, we continue to add marquee, referenceable customers in high-value added use cases. And as Josh mentioned, our gross retention rates were over 90%, and that is a year-over-year increase of almost five full percentage points. We're particularly pleased with the result given Q1 is our seasonally most challenging renewal quarter. In summary, our Q1 performance is a strong start to achieving our growth goals outlined at our analyst session and validates that our strategy is working. Now to discuss what we expect in Q2 and the full year, fiscal year 22. For Q2, we're expecting billings growth of 20% year over year. We're off to a good start with billings pacing well above where we were at the same time last year. Partly driven by the expansion bill Josh spoke about a few minutes ago, as well as generally good momentum across the business. In addition, we have several drivers that could provide upside to our expected Q2 billings. For the current fiscal year, we expect billings growth of about 18% year over year, up from our previous guidance of 16%. On expenses, we're planning for Q2 operating expenses increasing from Q1 levels primarily as we continue to pursue our growth initiatives, including increased sales capacity. For the year, we're also expecting operating expenses to increase with the largest increase in sales and marketing. We continue to plan for Q2 and full year adjusted net cash provided by operations to be slightly positive throughout the year. Now the formal guidance. For the second quarter of FY22, we expect GAAP revenue to be in the range of $60 million to $61 million. We expect non-GAAP net loss per share, basic and diluted, of $0.35 cents to $0.39. Cents. This assumes $31.8 million weighted average shares outstanding, basic and diluted. For the full year of FY22, we expect GAAP revenue to be in the range of $246 million to $252 million, representing year-over-year growth of 17 to 20%. We expect non-GAAP net loss per share, basic and diluted, of $1.33 to $1.41. This assumes $31.9 million weighted average shares outstanding basic and diluted. In closing, we're extremely pleased with our strong performance in Q1 and believe we are very well positioned to execute against our growth initiatives. With that, we'll open up the call for questions. Operator? Thank you. And as a reminder at this time, if you'd like to ask a question, simply press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you wish to withdraw a question, press the pound key. Your first question will come from Sanjeet Singh. Morgan Stanley, please go ahead. Thank you for taking the questions and congrats to a really strong start to the year. Um, Josh, to start with you, let's talk about this expansion deal, which 
hopefully as a harbinger of things to come. Could you talk to us a little bit about, um, one, the potential size of this deal, either from a dollar basis or if you can't talk about dollars, users would be great. But then more importantly, how long did it take to win this deal? What were the sort of the key factors um, to get um, this deal over the line? And, and was it competitive um, in terms of this upsell? Because I know it was an existing customer. Maybe start there. Yeah, you bet. And thank you for uh, calling us out in your in your uh, reports as, as your your number one choice for software in mid-market. We certainly appreciated that. Um, and, you know, on this deal, it's a really exciting deal. It's, uh, it's the biggest upsell. Uh, it's almost the biggest deal that we've ever done. Um, uh, it's one of our, certainly one of our five largest customers now. Um, it's a transformational deal because of, of how it's happening, too. It's not little bite-sized pieces. Um, it was, you know, several POCs across the org um, and, you know, proving what we could do and how quickly and rapidly we can do it and what scale we can do it at. Uh, it's that really, it's that whole stack that we built, uh, being able to provide all that BI leverage in the record time that we did uh, is really what gave them the confidence. And so there was a bunch of business leaders uh, that were able to validate what the CIO wanted to do. It gave the CIO the confidence to say, uh, this, this is the global standard. And we think there's a, even though this contract's a, you know, a, a good contract as it is, uh, there's a ton of upside for us with this customer, and we think that this is where a lot of our customers are going to head. Uh, we don't we don't have very many uh, large scale enterprise customers where we have complete site wide distribution. Um, in fact, we only have, only have just a couple, uh, and so to know that the vast majority of all of our enterprise customers have this kind of potential, uh, and then finally seeing that potential come through is really exciting, and so. Deals are already done. We're already working on the um, the installations um, in multiple places. They're going really well, and there's a ton of upside here for a lot of reasons. Um, but the thing that I'm the most excited about is, you know, now even though we can't talk about who they are yet, uh, over time I, sus I suspect that we will, and um, you know we'll certainly talk about them with with our potential customers and our other current customers, and that's just going to give a lot of people confidence to to you know move all their chips in on Domo because they can see what we can do for them. And that's the tipping point that I was talking about because, you know, it did happen uh, in my last company. You know, you get to, a, you get to a, po a point and everybody asks about, well, here's my list of 12 concerns, and you just keep repeating blue chip customers that are willing to talk to uh, get rid of each one of those concerns that they have, and it gives them that confidence. And that's, I think, what just happened here. Well, congrats on that. Looking forward to see um, how that evolves from the for the broader opportunity at Domo. I guess my next question, is to, and this is probably for, for Bruce, but Josh, feel free to chime in as well, um, which is really around the question around growth rate. So three numbers. We have billings growth of 25%, RPO growth of 21%, current RPO growth of 22%. And then if you look at your bookings growth, sort of revenue plus um, change in um, RPO, that was like, I think by my calculations, a big, big number at 38%. Um, so, Bruce, when I put the 18% billings growth um, for the, in terms of the, the full-year guide, which of those numbers that I just laid out do you think best represents the trajectory of the business as you see it? Yeah. Well, well, first, thanks for the question. I don't. I don't. 
I don't quite get your last number, but we can we can just talk about that separately. Maybe I just don't understand uh, that size of the number. But but yeah, I, I mean, as Josh pointed out, you see you see directionally where we're headed. Um, you know, we posted on average, you know, 25% uh, growth. Um, we really do like to play for that. Uh, we've had things come together during the quarter that have allowed us to achieve that, even if we didn't see all of that at the beginning of the quarter. I'll say the same thing's true now. We have, um, we have visibility that allows us to give 20% guidance. Um, but as I mentioned, we have a lot, we have a lot in the hopper that makes us feel very good about the 20%. And as things uh, bounce the way we hope they do, we, you know, we'll do better than that. So, um, and we also think of this as the long game. I mean, we want to, we're trying to set up just strings of these and not just any one quarter. So they're all representative of what's possible. And uh, I think we've been able to, like, move the numbers up into a much better zip code than we ever had before. And, um, you know, as you can tell by our posture here, um, we still think that we have um, more more room to bring these numbers up as our execution, as the machine kind of, you know, really gets cranked up here. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that gives you a good idea of our thinking. So I'll just stop there. Great, appreciate it. Thank you, Bruce. You're welcome. Hmm. Our next question will come from Derek Wood of Cowan. Please go ahead. Great, thanks. I'll echo uh, my congratulations. Great start to the year. Um, I'll start with you, Josh. One of, one of the things we keep hearing about uh, is how differentiated your low-code, no-code capabilities are around building analytic apps and doing it quickly. Um, are you kind of seeing more of these platform use cases and just kind of, you know, how does that platform approach get you into new budgets and new users and how is that creating market differentiation against, you know, other BI vendors? I think it really demonstrates how we can evolve uh, with our customers. You know, most of our customers, uh, including the one we talked about today, uh, the big deal that we had, the big upsell that we had, most of them have everything under the sun already installed somewhere in the organization. Uh, when we have this low-code, no-code ability to create applications that are very specific business intelligence uh, applications or applications that no one would consider to be business intelligence, but really, uh, you know, there's a function inside the organization they're trying to do uh, in a very specific way that they would have to go out to an outside vendor at great expense and impossibility to, you know, be able to continue to manage. Instead, they come to us. We have all of the data, all the connectors. Uh, we have the ability to create this great BI leverage, and that includes building these low-code, no-code apps. And so they see us relative to the other technologies they're using, and they see how much more effectively we can, uh, we can uh, evolve with them by building these low-code, no-code apps. And that's exactly what happened with this upsell as well. Uh, we put together a couple apps as part of the POC, and there's nothing else like it in the marketplace, period. Uh, so I think that is something that is we're going to talk a lot more about uh, over the coming years because we're certainly seeing it in hundreds of our customers. That's great to hear, and maybe for Bruce or, or maybe Josh as well. But, you know, so nice marquee win, uh, large, sounds like multi-million dollar deal, um, 
you know, as you look forward and you look at your pipelines and you think about, you know, transactional deal flow and large deal flow, and we, you know, it sounds like you've been working on this for a while, you know, are there other, you know, large deals that you've been working on and are maturing, and how do you think about the growth motion between the transactional deals and the large deals, you know, as you look at out over the rest of the year? Yeah, actually, I'm going to have Ian Tickle, our Chief Revenue Officer. He's here with us, so I'll have him answer that question. Great question. Hey, Derek. Th thanks for the question. We've seen really good progress in making sure we have a nice blend of the opportunities that we're working towards in the pipeline. So doing a lot of great work with John Meller in marketing to make sure that we have a good mix of new logo across multiple revenue bands, also building out our upsell engine as well, which is going very well for us. And likewise, continuing on from last quarter and Josh's comments with regards to strong partner network and contribution as well. So overall, we've got a, a very nice mix um, across recurring and non-recurring as well. So good, good traction across all sectors at this moment. Thank you. Great. Congrats again. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question will come from Pavan Suri of William Blair. Please go ahead. Great. Thanks, guys, and uh, really, really solid job there across across the board. I guess I want to touch on, on, on two, two sides. But let's touch on partnerships first. You know, and we've discussed this a lot. Uh, you sort of said, you know, maybe by fiscal 25, partnerships will contribute 15%. But as you see these platform deals as expansions, you know, partners provide a huge flywheel, right, because they've got to put consultants to work, strategy to work. H how are you seeing traction with partners? I ask this question, I think, almost every quarter, but I'd love to get an update on how that's playing out. And is that flywheel starting to play out? Are they getting really interested to say, hey, this Domo thing, I know we have a bunch of people at Accenture doing this, but maybe we should be focusing on this Domo thing because this is driving growth and will drive more growth for us. H how do you see that playing out now, and how are we towards getting that 15%? Yeah, thanks. I, I think, um, you know, the work, the work that we're doing together with John and marketing is creating really nice traction for us. I'm very excited about the way we're positioning the offerings that we have. I think Domo Palooza was a great showcase of how we're starting to resonate the message with the market space and, and moving forward with the opportunities that we have as well as creating market momentum. Yeah, Bavon, this, this is John Miller. I think you know, there's also this virtuous cycle when you get these big customers, that the big yeah. customers that create the priority with the, uh, the large ecosystem um, partners, whether those are tech or whether those are systems integrators, and, uh, you know, where those conversations go pretty smooth at that point. So I think we're, you know, we're excited to continue to open doors there and, and push those where it's a big opportunity. I think, you know, it's probably worth sharing. Uh, with, uh, without any names, but worth sharing conversation with just that. Or the installation of the, of the, the big customer that we assigned. Yeah, with regards to the, the, SI. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the SI side to it is really moving in a nice direction. So we've had, as I mentioned, partner ecosystems building out. As we look at the new logos and the cross-sell logos, we deal with these organizations who have preferred partners. And with the preferred partners, sometimes the, the wheels move together where we've got great traction, you have a, a great new opportunity that comes in as well, and, and the two come together and we really start to expand. And one of the exciting things about the go-to-market from system integrators and partners and just the entire ecosystem there 
is that as we build out the messaging and the value proposition to the users, people recognize that this isn't just about technical capability, this is about business adoption. And business adoption uh, helps drive and enable digital transformation. And that's something that we're super excited about. And as you can imagine, SIs are also excited. And uh, we're getting lots of introductions into lots of new places, which also is very, very interesting for us as well. That's great. That's great. And, and I guess one other one for me, it's probably a little technical, um, but I'd love to, to walk through it. So one of the value adds of Domo was, if you think about it as a platform, I can bring data in, spend a lot of time building ingestion, connectors, ETL, whatever. I've got the data stores. I've got, you know, all sorts of AI embedded in there. I've got all kinds of um, uh, Mr. Roboto, et cetera. And then I've got, you know, kind of the storyboard, the ability to build these applications and tell a story. Um, as technologies evolve, you couldn't do that with the old AI guys and you can't do it with just visualization. But as APIs become more streamlined, as things, you know, the REST APIs become more standardized, is there a risk that people start putting this together themselves because the data movement, the data flow is more normalized? Or is the complexity still so high in that that we've got a long ways to go before you get a fully integrated environment, hence the value of something like Domo? Just help me think through some of the improvements in sort of data movement, data management, uh, et cetera, that are happening as standardization occurs in the industry, and sort of is that really a risk? Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be any standardization for decades. I mean, these customers are all so complex. That's why we use the word BI leverage. Uh, they they have everything under the sun. And sure, they're trying to take components of data stores that they have and trying to allow, uh, you know, other people they work with to not have to move the data every single time they want to do something or every single time they want to interact with a new application to, to accomplish something. And, and uh, you know, so they'll, they'll certainly be – um, you know, more connectors, more APIs, more standard frameworks. And the nice thing is we sit on top of all of that. Uh, we facilitate that. We provide that BI leverage, uh, whatever it is the customer wants to do. And if someone like Snowflake comes along and starts getting a lot of traction, great, we work with Snowflake. Uh, if, it, if they're doing something more with AWS, great, we have a great partnership with them as well. Uh, and I think we've been in evolving spaces before. This space is going to continue to evolve. Uh, but the ability to create things like those low-code, no-code apps, to uh, take the data, put it into the fingertips of thousands of people across an organization, uh, we are unparalleled and unmatched in the way that we do those things. And so I think that's still, at the end of the day, the value comes when there's something that's in the fingertips of the managers and the people that are making decisions and running the businesses. And that is, that is truly where we sit. Everything else is just facilitating that experience. And uh, we do that ourselves, and we do it with partners. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thanks for the, uh, the color. That was really helpful. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. You bet. As a reminder, in order to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Your next question will come from Jack Andrews of Needham. Please go ahead. Well, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question, and I'll echo my uh, congratulations on the results. I want to ask about the um, your the nice uptick in retention. Could you just um, provide some more detail in terms of the, is this uptick in retention just happening organically among customers that are deriving more value from Domo, or are there specific tactics that, that you're using to, to drive that higher? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lot of things. It's been a multi-year effort, and most importantly, it's been uh, the responsibility of the of a big chunk of the of the folks at our company that are responsible for our our, our customers and their happiness, and uh, their efforts have really led to the increases that we've seen over the last over the last few years. So first and foremost, it's been them, and 
Uh, I sent an email out today to all, actually, uh, that just said to client services, hey, there's a specific acknowledgement we all need to provide here that you guys are kicking ass, end of message. Um, and that's really, truly what's been uh, taking place, just great people uh, at our company, uh, great people in Utah. They love making their customers happy. Um, they love getting upsells, and it's really fun to see uh, those see that have a meaningful impact on our numbers. Uh, and then um, uh, I'll let uh, Ian touch a little bit more on some of the specifics, uh, but, you know, first and foremost, it's just been an awesome effort from our people. Yeah, I totally agree with Josh. I think the team has been absolutely fantastic in the way that not only in the environment where they were also used to visiting class and having that face-to-face -face relationship, they've had to remove themselves from that and go into a remote working environment. And I think it's a testament to A, the relationships that our class success team and everybody who helps support them with our support team, our education team, the training team, work together and the relationships that they build. We've also seen that over the last 12 to 18 months, people have doubled down on their use on Domo and they recognize the fact that we can return information far quicker than, than maybe some of the other providers that they might have at this point in time. Tie that into the, the work we've been doing to try, try to help educate and develop and, and show the business value and deliver results. Really, really impressive performance across the globe of our, of our class success support and education team there. Well, thanks for the color on that. Just a follow-up question, um, Josh, going back to the uh, marquee uh, customer you, you've been speaking about, you mentioned that you found the right people to partner with internally. I was just wondering if you could maybe expand on that comment. Is there sort of a, a recipe now that you feel is perhaps re replicable across, you know, other large upsell uh, um, opportunities that, that you think you've sort of cracked, cracked the code on how, how to win these deals? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you know, it has to – pass the sniffer test, right? you got to have the CIO look at it and be like, yeah, this thing makes sense. So let me have my people check into it. They check into it. They all come back, yeah, this looks like it would work great. Uh, what's next? What's the next step? You know, and so you got to get buy-in from a lot of different departments because eventually these different departments have to pay for it. CIO doesn't want to – no CIO and I know wants to have every part of the budget come out of their budget. Right, so there's going to be an allocation. That means you need to have business leaders stand up and say, yeah, I'm going to get value out of this. I'm going to get a return on this. And then the other piece is being able to say, okay, all makes sense. Now how can we get the confidence this is going to work here? Where else have you done this at this scale, at this size? And we have plenty of customers where we've done this at this scale, at this size. Uh, but most of them, you know, kind of was one upsell here, another upsell there, another upsell here. It ended up in the right spot. But we want customers to be able to move more quickly, adopt more quickly. And that's what I think uh, we're seeing here. Because of all the work that we've done over the last several years, because of the happy customers that we have, uh, we, can, we now can get new, relatively new customers that can come in and say, oh, I want to replicate what those people have done over there. And so it was, you know, it's these big complex deals, they're big and complex. And it's finding all the right people internally to support the, the CIO's decision. And that's what we did, and it was, you know, not only on their side, but on our side as well. Uh, and it was just exciting to see kind of how that all came together. That's great. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. And we have no further questions at this time. This will now conclude today's conference call. Thank you all very much for joining. You may now disconnect.